Hey guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you're listening to This Is Life Unfiltered. So many of you guys know that I travel all the time. The other day I was actually on, I think it was a Delta or an American flight, and I was heading to Boston. And I started watching a documentary about kind of a rock climber, but somebody who actually climbs in the woods outside. And I was just fascinated by this documentary. And the whole flight, like the whole beginning part of the flight, I was so bored and didn't know what to do with myself and was like, oh, I'll, I'll try and watch something on, on the TV, on the airplane. And I ended up watching this really cool documentary. And the guy who's actually in the documentary, I came to find out, is a really well-known climber. But he actually has a girlfriend who was a really interesting part of this documentary that I was watching. And I felt like I really resonated with her because she just seemed like somebody who was so confident in herself. And quite often you will watch a documentary or you'll watch something and you'll end up feeling like there's always the person who's kind of meant to be the one on the back burner. Like, you know, the guy is so powerful or the woman is so powerful and the the guy or the other person can't necessarily be as successful. And I felt like that wasn't the dynamic in this documentary. So today I'm really excited to welcome Sonny McCandless. She's a transition coach for outdoor focused individuals who want to create more tailored intentional lifestyles and find agency in their own lives. In her work, she helps people overcome the doubts and concerns that constantly get in the way of living fearlessly and feeling fulfilled. So Sonny, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for the warm welcome. Of course. Well, so take us back to the beginning. I really want to focus on this episode with you truly talking about how to find your purpose and live a fearless life. But how did you get started? Yeah, so I started coaching a couple years ago now. And it actually, I had studied psychology when I was in college and always was kind of, you know, I was drawn to working with people in a one-on-one setting in some sort of um, counselor, coach, therapist type manner. And I never was really certain what I wanted that, what I wanted that kind of relationship to look like or work to look like. And I kind of, I ended up going a totally different path. I went into marketing. Um, I worked at a tech startup in Seattle, but a couple years into that work and a year after being on the road, I kind of realized, kind of remembered that goal and that dream that I had when I was in college of, of, um, yeah, working with people to improve their lives. And I realized that the manner in which I wanted to do that was life and transition coaching. And um, and the reason I really love that, ex- that, that sort of specialty is because it's very forward, very forward looking. Um, it's very much about looking at where you are, thinking about where you'd like to be and figuring out a way to get there. And I just so resonated with the, the simplicity of that. And um, so anyway, I, I, I went to coaching school and I created a website and I ended up starting my own coaching business. And a lot has kind of grown from that, but that was sort of the inception of where I am today. That's amazing. So many people who listen to this podcast as well as in general are struggling with figuring out, I think, how to be fearless and also how to find their purpose. So let me ask you as somebody who really seems like she's found her purpose, at what point did you find your purpose? And is there kind of a one-stop shop to finding your own purpose or no? You know, I actually feel really strongly about two things you just said. So one thing, one thing I really love to emphasize, you mentioned the word fearless. And I think I think there's a lot of terminology and language out there around conquering your fears and uh, living fearlessly. 
And I actually, I feel like I have a, a different approach to that. And my idea is that acknowledging fear and doubt exist and choosing to move forward anyway. And I really, I really believe in the power of, of that statement in that nobody goes into anything with zero fears, doubts, or concerns. And the people who succeed in life are not the people who don't have fears, don't have doubts, don't have concerns. The people who succeed in life are the people who have them and choose to move forward anyway, choose to say, you know what? Yeah. Fear is just an indicator that I am putting myself in front of opportunities for growth. That is all it is. It doesn't mean that I need to stop. It doesn't mean I need to backtrack. It doesn't mean I'm on the wrong um, I'm on the wrong path. It's just an indicator that I'm in front of an opportunity for growth. So I will just, I, you know, for anyone out there, I would just say, don't worry if fear is present. You don't have to be fearless to succeed. You just don't have to let it stop you. I love um, that. Yeah. yeah. That's just kind of my take on it. No, that makes, that makes so much sense. And I love that you kind of brought up the word fear on multiple occasions, because that's what I find with many people is people are so scared of the fear of reaching out to somebody or introducing themselves to somebody be, mm-hmm. via email when in reality, I don't know, I personally like have, I don't know, I just consider myself to be very fearless. Like I don't really get scared of anything besides, for example, like rock climbing. Um, so <laughs> I don't really know what the other side is like to deal with that kind of fear. But what advice do you have for people who are listening and are like, I really want to do something else or I'm so unhappy in my job, but I'm too scared or I, I don't know what the first step is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's just that it's kind of just what I was saying about it. Just acknowledge that it's there and, uh, think about, I, you know, actually maybe a better way to explain this is I always, I love the phrase, um, passion and practicality don't have to be mutually exclusive. And so I think a lot of times when people think about living their best life, living a passionate lifestyle, changing lifestyles, they think about it as this maybe potentially passionate, reckless, scary thing. And I'm always like, it doesn't have to look that way. We can be really practical about the changes we make to move ourselves towards passion. And if you want to... um, take time off in between jobs and your, you know, your gut fear is, well, what if I run out of money and then I just am homeless and jobless and die on the streets? You know, I would tell you, okay, well then how could you come up with a plan to prevent that? How could you save up X amount of money and set X amount of time and, and, and X budget and just actually just plan that out and just say, okay, I'm going to save up this much amount of my bank account. And then I'm going to take this amount of time off. Maybe I'm going to take three months off at month four. I'm going to start job hunting again. And if I haven't found a job by the time I get to this level on my bank account, then I'm going to do this thing. Right. And so it's just the point being that we can, it's, it's a really important part of the process to acknowledge what that fear is and simply make a plan for it and say, okay, well, if that happened, what would I do? And I often find that whatever our biggest fear is, whatever our worst fear is, it's either a not actually going to happen because it's just totally outrageous, or it's not that big of a deal if it does. If cold calling or sending an email or networking or having conversations with people intimidates you, then I would just ask, well, what's the worst that can happen? And if the worst that can happen is that they say no or don't write you back, who cares? You know, that's not that bad. That's what I said, actually, on an Instagram post today. I said the exact thing. And I said, to be completely transparent, most times, you know, if you write 
20 emails, you're probably not going to get 20 people who are going to reply to you, but there might be the 21st person who does reply. And I wish that people could kind of switch their mindset to think of that 21st person instead of thinking only on the 20th, like I'm done and I'm giving up because everyone hates me. But so as a life coach yourself, is there a trend you found with many of the people that you've coached, like things that in the current day and age people are struggling with, or is it just kind of across the board? You know, it really depends on the type of, you know, I I work with clients who are in a lot of different places in life. And so it kind of depends on what category I'm looking at. But I think big picture trends are, and I just want to think about this for a second. I think one of the number one things that I see getting in people's way is ownership, taking ownership over what they know and what they don't know, taking ownership of what they're good at and what they're not good at. I find it in a lot of the coaching work that I do, it's like we're all operating from this place of fear that somebody's going to find out that we aren't as good at our job as, as they thought, or that we aren't qualified to be wherever we are, or that we aren't Uh, you know, we don't have a strong enough background in X, Y, Z to be pursuing this thing that we're pursuing. It's this, uh, you know, I mean, you could say like imposter syndrome or just this sort of feeling like we should be somewhere different than where we are. And so we fight it and we do all this stuff to try and protect ourselves, to protect people from finding out what, what it, you know, whatever it is that we are feeling self-conscious or insecure about. And it makes us act in really weird ways. This insecurity, um, it kind of can sometimes prevent us from really connecting with people. It can make us defensive. It can make us um, shut out from feedback. We don't ask for feedback instead of treating feedback as a gift. And and, And instead of just operating from a place of, you know what, wherever I am is okay. And what I know is great. And what I don't know, I want to learn. And I don't need to be anyone other than who I am right now. And the second that we start to own that, we start asking for help. We start using our resources. We stop being defensive. We, um, we shy away from all of the actions that kind of arise from insecurity is the second that we make huge strides forward. And, we, and, and also we just genuinely start connecting with people better. Do you think that social media has played a positive role or a negative role? And especially maybe some of the clients that you've met with, I know you really focus on more outdoors kind of people, but, um, you know, do you think social media has made, especially that imposter syndrome more severe? I think social media can play whatever role you want, allow it to play is my personal opinion. I think that if, I I just read this article the other day and it was about that. um, Gosh, what was it? It was, I think there was like a Facebook article that went around many years ago that was like, stop Instagramming your perfect life. And the idea was, okay, we're all posting all these pictures, but it's not necessarily real. And, and there's a, you know, a a part of that, that I really agree with, right. That, um, you know, we don't want to only post the good stuff. We can post the bad stuff too. We can post the hard stuff. We can post the stuff that's, you know, post about when you don't get the job and also when you get the job. You know, there's a part of that I agree with, but the article I read recently was saying, why would we want that? You know, why would we want to stop people from sharing their happiness and joy? And I think the the question he was bringing up is, are we so insecure that when we look at other people being happy, it makes us unhappy? 
And I think it begs the question, why are you unhappy and what could you do about it? And instead of using social media as a comparison, use it as a tool to celebrate other people in your life and, um, and to inspire you and to encourage you. And if that's not what your feed is bringing up, change your feed, right? I mean, Instagram's really smart. It's going to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. So, you know, cultivate a feed that inspires you and makes you feel happy and good and use it, um, a small to normal amount. Don't overuse it. Don't become obsessed with it. But you know, if every time you look at social media, you're feeling crappy about your life, then I would say, you know, that might be an indicator that it's either not a healthy tool for you, or there's a way you might want to use it differently. You know, I've, I've focused heavily in the past on different episodes on imposter syndrome, which is a really unique thing that you bring up. And I find that a lot of people who suffer with that happen to be more more on the entrepreneurial kind of spectrum. But how do you classify imposter syndrome? I, you know, I see it, I see it show up everywhere. I think anytime we start something new and even in something we've done for a long time, it can show up. I think of it as when we fear that we aren't qualified to be wherever it is that we are. So if you're in, you know, basically I see it most often in the workplace, but I've also seen it when people, um, for instance, I help people create more outdoor driven lifestyles. And some people will come up to me and they'll be like, well, I'm not really an outdoors person. I'm not really an outdoor enthusiast. Like I'm, you know, they're, they're afraid maybe that somebody's going to think they're claiming they're something that they're not. And I always encourage them, you know, like, have you gone on a hike recently? Do you enjoy being outside? There you go. You're an, you're an outdoor enthusiast. There's no qualifications that you need to, 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 identify as somebody who loves the outdoors. Um, so anyway, it can be in a lot of places, but I really see it a lot in career. And it's usually some version of, you know, I got this job and, and what if I'm not actually good enough to execute it as well as it could be done? And just this fear that somebody's going to find out that we're not as qualified as we should be. And it's, and it's just, it's silly because, you know, you were hired for a reason. It's not silly. I shouldn't say that. I think there's probably, it's understandable that it comes up. But I also think we have to, um, again, accept where we are and accept where we're not. The sooner that we do that, the sooner we can get better at the things we're not good at because we stop being afraid to ask for feedback. Why do some people feel imposter syndrome? Like, does it come from feeling insecure or feeling like they don't deserve to be happy? I mean, I think... We are constantly, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. We're constantly looking around and seeing other people maybe feeling like they're more qualified than they are, that they're better than we are, that we are, they're smarter than we are. And deep down, I think a lot of people have somewhere in their life a feeling of inadequacy around something. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where that originates in coaching. I find that sometimes, you know, our pain points often originate in our childhood, um, an experience we had as a young kid where we couldn't make sense of it and we ended up internalizing it in some way. But there's, you know, there's all different places that could have come from. I also know that it, it doesn't have to define us and it can be something we experience and move past. It doesn't have to be something that's like either you're the type of person that feels inadequate and has imposter syndrome or not. I think um, in some ways, again, it's kind of this indicator of like, if you're not feeling a little bit nervous, if you're not feeling a little bit out of your comfort zone, then the question arises, 
are you pushing yourself to grow? And so, you know, maybe there's an area on the horizon that you might want to look to that does put you into that place. In some ways you could say imposter syndrome is an indicator that you've you know, put yourself, you've, you know, you've put on some big boots. That could be a good thing, but don't let that imposter syndrome prevent you from enjoying wherever it is that you're at. Okay. So let's go a little bit into what to do if you feel really lost, because coming out of college, even sometimes quite often coming out of high school, many people deal with feeling just really lost and not sure what their next step is. So how, how, how do you advise somebody on their next step if they really don't know what to do or what they even enjoy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, so earlier you brought up the word purpose and I will say, I, I always like, whenever I talk about purpose, one of the first things I say is that purpose is not something you are going to do and then cross off a list. It's never going to be something that's one, you know, one objective that you either know that you have or you don't. Um, and I think it's easy to look at purpose that way, right? Because we all know that person in our life who's like, well, they wanted to be a doctor and save lives and say we're five and that's what they're going to do. But most of us don't have that one thing that we're driven by. And I think I'm here to say that isn't your purpose. That might be a calling. It might be a great career, but it's not your purpose. Purpose is something maybe far more complex or interesting than that. And I would define purpose as what does it look like when you are living purposefully, when everything that you do has a purpose that instead of just moving forward with the natural momentum of your life, well, somebody offered me this job, so I took it. Well, this guy asked me on a date, so I'm dating him. Well, uh, this house was available, so I bought it. Right. And instead of just drifting through life and accepting, you know, whatever forward momentum your life naturally has, living on purpose is about choosing things, choosing things because maybe of a value that it aligns with because of a, um, a goal that you've set yourself because of desire, choosing things for a reason. Um, and so when you're living on purpose, when everything that you do has a, has a, has purpose behind it, I find that we stop asking this question about purpose because we, we feel fulfilled because we are choosing our life instead of letting life choose us. So when somebody comes to me and they're kind of looking out in this light and they talk about purpose, I usually just say, how could you begin to live life on purpose? And it, and it starts small, right? So on a daily basis, what are the things that you care about and how can you align your life around those things? So let's say somebody says like family, adventure, and financial security. Those are the things that I care about. And th th those are my top three values. Then I would say, okay, well, how can you align your life on a daily or weekly basis around those three values? And they're like, well, if I'm aligning around family, it means that I'm sitting down with my family for dinner. That's a priority. And I, I make choices based on whether or not I can make that happen. And then you say adventure. Okay. If adventure is a, is a value for me, then I make choices that align with having time for adventure. And maybe instead of going to a party on Friday night, I go to bed early because there's this really cool hike I want to do on Saturday morning. So I make that choice to align my life with adventure and then financial security. Okay. Well, I got two job offers. One was 
um, you know, in this location that I really wanted to live in. And one was um, more high paying. And I took the more high paying job because financial security is one of my values. Um, so anyway, so I think that process of identifying your values or just your priorities and making choices that align with those things is a really great place to start. I love everything you said there. And that really resonated with me. So you, you kind of agree then that there's not because this is what I think, like when people ask me that same question, my answer is not as good as yours. So I'm going to take pointers from what you just said. But so you kind of agree that it's not like, can you wake up one day and just all of a sudden be like, ah, oh, here's the purpose. I found it. Like it was hiding in the fridge. Or is it something that really takes a lot of kind of self-care and work to find? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's definitely the latter. It, it's, it's a, it's a practice. It's the practice of choosing your life, of being intentional about your life versus um, just doing what everybody else is doing or doing what you feel like is expected of you. Um, you asked earlier, you know, what if somebody's coming out of college and they're like, okay, but what do I care about? And I'm, I'm a really big advocate of trier, sorry, sorry, trial and error, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're not totally sure, go try something. And if you don't like it, think about all of the things that you specifically didn't like and try not to cultivate them in that next position that you try or that next career you try or that next location you decide to live in. We, we, We've gotten into the habit, I think, of overanalyzing everything because of the power of the internet and this idea that like we could probably just research something until we have the answer. We tend to delay, focus on research and thinking as if we can somehow land on an answer through those means instead of just going out there and trying it. There's no harm in taking a job having it for six months or a year and then being like, you know what, this just doesn't align with who I am. And for those of you who are like, yeah, but it's so bad to have a job only on your resume for six months or a year. I'd say, you know, what's really bad is to be an unenergetic, unfulfilled person in an interview. The person who has been like, I've been deeply unsatisfied for 10 years, but I stayed there because I felt like I should. People hire people. So yeah, maybe on your resume, you only have a job for six months or a year, but in your interview, you're going to be enlivened because you're going to be like, yeah, I left a situation that wasn't good for me. I took note of mm-hmm. my values. I found, I, I made choices that align with who I am. And that brought me into your room today, having this interview, because I think this aligns better with who I am and what I care about. Who's going to say no to that? They're not going to rem- even remember that that job was only six months or a year. What they're going to hear is that you're the type of person that's thoughtful intentional, courageous, and makes choices based on what they care about, all of which are qualities they'd look for in an employee. That's a great point. Do you also think that in the topic of happiness, because you brought that up a lot, which is great because so many people shy away from happiness, right? I think so many people are so like, this is what it should be, or, you know, I'm okay where I, like, it could be better, but I'm just like, "Eh, I'm too lazy to try. Do you think that on the topic of happiness, like there is a way to find happiness? And if you're in happy and unhappy in a job, can you find that? You know, it's, it, it, I always think there are paths to help us feel more joyful in life. And whenever something, this is the way I think about it. If a situation isn't working for you, there's four ways to deal with it. The first way is external. So if you are really unhappy in your workplace, you could try and change that workplace. You could be like, okay, I feel, I don't like my workplace because I feel disconnected to my, from my coworkers. So I'm actually going to go into the office and I'm going to, um, 
send out an email for doing a Friday night happy hour, because I think if we all could hang out a little bit more, we'd be more connected and the workplace would be more fun. So that'd be an external change. And there's always plenty of external options. Sometimes, however, we get to a place where we've exhaustively tried all of the external options and nothing is changing. We've had conversations, we've sent emails, we've done, we've gotten creative, we've problem solved and nothing is working. So then the next option is internal changes. And that's where you say, how am I showing up and how could I show up differently to, to energize me more? I might have a story in my head that, um, my boss doesn't think I'm good at my job. And so every day, because I'm thinking that I go in, I feel inadequate and then I leave and I'm just slightly depressed. Right? So an internal shift would be examining that thought and saying, is that thought working for you? What could you focus on instead? Instead of focusing on how your boss thinks of you, why don't you focus on, um, a quality that you love about yourself. And instead of going into work and saying, my boss doesn't think I'm good enough, you walk in and you say, I love how motivated I am every time I sit down at my desk. I think I'm really good at getting stuff done. Or, hey, when there's a challenge in front of me, I rise to that occasion. And just changing your focus, just saying, you know, no to the thoughts that de-energize you and yes to the thoughts that energize you. So there's external and then there's internal and then there's walking away. And that's where you say, nothing I do, internal or external, in this workplace is, you know, or whether I make internal or external changes, this workplace or this situation is not going to work for me. And I need to remove myself. This is, this has become unhealthy or toxic. And it is my duty to myself and the people around me to go find something else that does energize me. And then, you know, there's always the fourth option, which is to do nothing. And I always just say, if you're going to do nothing, just know you're choosing to do nothing. You have chosen that of those four options and that's on you. Because it's a personal choice for everyone when people, especially even to choose to be unhappy. But a lot of people seem to think, you know, that unhappiness finds them or that this is just the job they found and it came to them. So that's like, that's why they're unhappy. When I think in reality, it's kind of the opposite, which is what you seem to agree with too. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have different circumstances that we are circumstances and responsibilities that we're bound to. And I think there's a certain amount of privilege that comes with transitioning your life and pursuing desire and happiness and, um, joy and all of those things. And I also think that doesn't mean it, you know, how easy or hard it's going to be shouldn't stop you. For some people, it's going to be, it's going to be probably quite hard to transition transition your lifestyle. There's going to be very real responsibilities or obligations or fears that come up and that's okay. And that doesn't have to stop you from slowly making steps towards things that to a, towards a lifestyle that makes you happier. And for some of us, it could be really easy. We're just choosing not to do it. And in that case, I'm like, go do it because the world needs more energized people. And on a more personal level, how do you deal with unhappiness in a relationship? I'm actually really curious about that. And that's why I'm so adamant about people choose their unhappiness because especially in relationships, there are, of course, other factors, but quite often there's a really easy decision if you find yourself unhappy in that. But what, what do you say to somebody who might be really unhappy in their relationship, but the person might feel very safe to them or might feel very comfortable so they just don't know where to, where to go? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, of course. And I think that's an understandably hard situation, right? I mean, if you've been with someone for a really long time and you've built a whole life around them, but you're deeply unhappy, it's of course it's not going to be easy to walk away. Of course it's not going to be easy to choose a different relationship or to choose to leave that relationship. And that's where, you know, that that kind of mantra I provided at the beginning of the podcast comes in, which is like choosing that fear exists or acknowledging that fear exists and choosing to move forward anyway. Just saying, you know what? Leaving this person is undoubtedly going to be uncomfortable and scary. And that is okay. It doesn't have to be easy. And that doesn't, and that also doesn't have to be a sign that you shouldn't do it. In fact, it, it might be a sign that it's the right choice. So just, really taking ownership of your own happiness in that situation and saying, this might not be easy, but this isn't working for me. And um, find accountability buddies, find um, resources, find um, just friendships or mentors, anybody who can help you through that process. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think relationships are a great place to kind of examine your happiness level and really think about why am I here? Like what's keeping me? And if I walked away, what's the worst that could happen? I find that there's this, we like to call them three-star relationships. And a three-star relationship is one where it's like, it's good, like 60 or 70% of the time. And it's good enough that you're afraid if you walk away from it, that you won't find something better, but it's bad enough that you're thinking about it all the time. And you're just like, why am I in this relationship? I don't know if this is right for me. But then you're like, oh, but there are these things that I like. And what if I don't find those things in someone else? And to me, I'm just like, you know, if you don't try for that 100%, you know, if you don't try for that greatness, like you're, you won't get there. And you could choose that, that 50 or 60%. Um, but it's a choice. And I think... Almost always, if we go out there and we aren't make intentional choices and we are courageous, then we usually find things that are four and five stars. Hmm, that's very that's very interesting. I actually have a lot to think now about after this podcast. So <laughs> I was really curious for that last question, which is quite specific. But Sonny, you are quite an inspiration. So where can everyone find out more about you? I know you also put on a kind of outdoors type summit. Can you tell us all about that? Yeah. So, um, well, so actually next week is Out Wild, which is, um, I co-founded Out Wild with um, Courtney Sanford and Jeremy Jensen. And the three of us started this um, organization. And the idea behind it is to help people create more outdoor and value-driven lifestyles. So we hold these three-day retreat style weekends a couple times a year. Um, The one that's coming up next week is our big one. So it's like 120 people and uh, it's in California. And it's, it's just so much fun. It's kind of like adult summer camp. It's like half life design workshops and half outdoor recreation. And it's, it's a blast. Um, but that's next week. That event is sold out. Um, but we'll be holding more in 2020. So definitely something to stay tuned for there. And, um, yeah, my website, sonnymccandless.com. That's where you can find everything that I'm up to. Um, yeah. Does that kind of help answer that question? Of course. And if somebody wants to hire you for coaching, yeah, so I I actually am working off a wait list right now, so they can reach out and um, I can put you on my wait list and it, it's probably a couple months, but, um, but yeah, but once I work with someone, I usually work with them for 
anywhere from like four months to a year. So it's usually, um, it's, you know, might take a while to get started, but once we get started, um, I'm really committed to my clients and I really work through a process with them to help them. Yeah. It's just to create lifestyles that they truly love and fulfill them. So that's awesome. And if you're interested in coaching, I would also just recommend, um, you know, just researching coaches in your area or seeing if you're, you know, there's any coaches in your network. I think the process of life coaching is just deeply beneficial. It's funny that we have coaches for everything in our life, except for our actual life design. So that's always my plug of like, there's no reason why we shouldn't be talking with somebody who has a, you know, an, an unbiased outsider about how to design our lives. And I think a, a life coach is a great person to do that with. I would also like to ask you one more question. If anyone's listening and is confused about the difference between therapy and a life coach, what is the difference? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, you know, there there's a lot of differences depending on what the therapist specializes in and what the coach specializes in. But in general, I think of, um, you know, I think therapy works best when we, two situations. One, if we're actively not doing well on a daily basis. If we find that we're struggling on a daily basis um, and maybe just like having trouble getting through the day or the week or the month, um, that might be a situation in which therapy is a really great option. Another situation in which therapy is a great option is if you kind of want to explore your past and looking backwards. So if you want to think about what about my past and where I've been is affecting who I am today. Again, a great situation in which therapy is um, a useful tool. Coaching, I think works better if, again, two circumstances. The first one, if you're doing really well in life, you're like, you know, life is going pretty well. Like I'm getting through the day, I'm getting through the week, I'm getting through the year, but I want to take it from good to great right? It's for that transition. It's like things are going well and now I'm ready to tackle, um, the next big thing. Uh, another circumstances for coaching is just, again, if you're looking at that timeline and therapy is more looking backwards, coaching is more looking forward. So it's more, it's less about where have I been and more about where do I want to go? Um, you know, and then there's the obvious differences. Like, you know, if you, if you have a mental health concern, then obviously you should seek out a mental health professional, like a therapist or a psychologist or psychiatrist. Of course, that makes so much sense. Thank you so much for clarifying. And thank you also so much for, for being on the podcast today. It has been a true honor to have you. Oh, it's been, it's been so, so fun to be here. And thank you so much for having me and asking such thoughtful questions. Oh, of course. Well, everyone, make sure that you check out Sonny's website. And I highly encourage you to also look into therapy or life coaching. I had a life coach and I think she was kind of the wrong one for me. So I think um, that there's always a way to get some type of advice or help from an unbiased individual that also fits into your budget. And you have to really make sure that you that you do find the right one. But make sure to subscribe to This Is Life Unfiltered as well as follow the podcast as well as myself on social media for ongoing updates about our guests and who we're having on each week at, at T-I-L-U podcast and Alexa underscore Curtis. And I'll see you guys next week for a new episode of This Is Life Unfiltered. Mm-hmm.